from South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 5th, 2024 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Welcome to 2024, folks. That's right. We have a bit of a recap for y'all from the past few days when we were off, including the latest campaign trail moves for both Republicans and Democrats. What? That's right. We got some big names in town this month from the White House. Ever heard of it? Wow. We look at who is spending what on ads and where. Wow. And former Governor Nikki Haley's biggest snafu to date, as well as political spouses renaming their husbands. Wow. We also have an economic update for y'all following the latest national employment data. Data. Now, I told y'all after Labor Day that the merry-go-round was spinning faster. Well, it's the new year and we're days away from the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary. And let's just say that this merry-go-round is about to go airborne, folks. I'll be reporting for y'all on the ground in those states and bringing you the latest direct from the trail. Of course, this coincides with the start of the legislative session. This is my way of saying bear with us as we work to maintain our regular production schedule amid these busy times. Long story short, we're going to be on the road. You're going to be listening to the sounds of my vehicles. You can also find out more about the South Carolina primary, the latest news from the trail, and more at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and SCETV.org slash SC2024 your home for campaign 2024 coverage. Now, in this new year, we want to hear from some new folks. That's right. You got to call us at 803-563-7169. Maybe you're listening for the first time. Maybe a couple of weeks ago you started listening. Maybe you've been listening for a long time. Resolve to talk to the lead this year, folks. 803-563-7169. Tell us what's on your mind, what you like about the pod, what you don't like about the pod. We'll see if it gets on the air. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, let us know what's on your resolution list for 2024. 803-563-7169. We love our old callers, too. So give us an update. What's going on, guys? It's a new year, but not a new us. That's right, we're still here for you guys. But the campaign trail is red hot, and it's only a matter of days till it ramps up here in South Carolina. Maybe? Yeah! We'll see who is left standing after the Iowa caucus on January 15th, and the first in the nation, for Republicans, primary on January 23rd. It's been uh, an incredibly snoozy presidential primary campaign season here over the past 12 months. For example... Former President Donald Trump only held five events in the state last year, two of which were his signature rallies, though they did draw tens of thousands of folks. Former Governor Nikki Haley, a known commodity to South Carolinians, routinely made stops throughout her home state after debates and other early voting state swings. After announcing her candidacy to some 2,000 folks in Charleston last February, she got in a rotation of visiting roughly once a month and held her largest rally to date in Bluffton in late November, drawing some 2,500 people. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has made a handful of trips to the Palmetto State since announcing his candidacy in late May. His trips typically featured multiple stops across the state in the span of a day, and then he'd head back to Iowa, where he is pinning his campaign's hopes and dreams. 
Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie has popped down to the state. How you doing? But thinks New Hampshire will somehow give his campaign life. Oh! He pulls in a strong distant third to Trump and Haley, and there are growing calls for him to end his campaign and endorse Haley, who trails Trump by 14 points in the latest poll from St. Anselm, but leads Christie by 18 points. So, 2016 flashbacks to when Christie placed sixth, sixth in a field of nine. Even Vivek Ramaswamy abandoned our state in the late spring after a bus tour so he could focus on the Hawkeye state. Wow. Despite everyone's obsession with Iowa, it has an incredibly poor track record of picking the eventual Republican nominee. We're talking like 43%, folks. Data! South Carolina, we're like almost 100. You know why? We had that little snafu in 2012. Other than that, we're 100% that state. Also, Iowa a cumbersome caucus process. Relies heavily on a campaign's ability to organize and turn out folks, which isn't that reliable. So you'll see. Now you can't really blame Haley for making a dig at Iowa by saying New Hampshire fixes Iowa's mistakes because you know what? What? It's actually South Carolina's job to fix everyone's mistakes here. Why? Because like I said, we have an incredibly representative Republican demographic, which those other states have only read about. And it goes for the Democrats too. Hence the reason South Carolina jumped both Iowa and New Hampshire on the Democratic nominating calendar this year. Speaking of the Democrats, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris are not forgetting the South Carolina Democrats that propelled Biden to the nomination. That's why he pushed the Democratic National Committee to put our diverse state first in the process. As such, both Biden and Harris are making trips here this month as the re-election campaign kicks off. Biden gave his opening salvo in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania on Friday, January 5th, the day before the three-year anniversary of January 6th. And he'll give remarks at Mother Emanuel Amy Church in Charleston, home to the horrific, racially-fueled 2015 massacre that left nine black parishioners dead, including Reverend Clemente Pickney, who was also a state senator. The only other politician to use the church as a campaign backdrop was Senator Cory Booker during the 2020 primary race. Now, Harris will be in Myrtle Beach on Saturday, and she'll also be the keynote speaker at the Martin Luther King Jr. Day at the Dome event in Columbia, which is outside the State House on January 15th. Notoriously, like, one of the coldest days of the year. Now, DNC Chairman Jamie Harrison was just in the state late last year talking about the group's coordinated push with the state party to ramp up get-out-the-vote efforts and re-energize a base that has been lacking enthusiasm lately. We'll have more on the Democrats later this month as we gear up for the February 3rd, first-in-the-nation Democratic primary. get back to the Republican presidential campaign trail and some updated numbers on ad spending. That's right. As of January 4th, ad impact data shows that Haley and related groups supporting her have spent the most of any candidate in this cycle. For Haley, that comes out to $63.1 million in ad spending and pre-booked ads, followed by DeSantis with $58 million and Trump at $49 million. Haley has split that money somewhat evenly between Iowa and New Hampshire, spending slightly more in the Granite State. Pro-DeSantis ad spending is heaviest in Iowa at 28%, compared to New Hampshire at 12%. Just another example of the Florida governor's all-in approach to Iowa. Pro-Trump spending was evenly split between the two early voting states. 
Heck, even Chris Christie dropped an ad in New Hampshire. Oh, wow. Here we go. And if you're thinking, well, I haven't seen that many ads. Well, the ads, they are coming, folks. Haley has been releasing multiple ads over the past few days, as well as the Stand for America PAC, which supports her, and has been going hard against DeSantis. Trump released his first attack ad against Haley in New Hampshire, where she poses the greatest threat to his sustained lead. Of course, when you got money to spend, you spend it, and Haley is doing that. Her campaign announced an impressive $24 million fourth quarter fundraising haul. That was larger than her previous three quarters combined. Her Senate campaign has been hitting at the key moments. Remember, she didn't come in this race with a bunch of money or buzz, but a lean operation, a steady pace of campaigning, increased attention since the first debate in August, which led to stronger fundraising and higher poll numbers. And that is all peaking right now at this critical time that has put her on the path to second place currently. Now, the campaign said it has $14.5 million on hand going into 2024. Some good walking around money. Now, over the break, there have been a few Haley moments, including her saying that slavery wasn't the cause of the Civil War, and an excerpt from her 2012 book that has resurfaced in which she told her husband to go by his middle name instead of his first name. Let's break these down one at a time and revisit the Civil War, which ended 158 years ago, but for one New Hampshire voter, it was top of mind. Here is the interaction during a town hall in Berlin, New Hampshire. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question, right? I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm not running for president. I, 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 I wanted to see uh, your That's a good thing on the cause of the Civil War. I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government and what the rights of the people are. And we, I will always stand by the fact that I think government was intended to secure the rights and freedoms of the people. Thank you. And in, in the year 2023, it's astonishing to me that you answer that question without mentioning the word slavery. What do you want me to say about slavery? No, um, uh, you've answered my question. Thank you. During her CNN town hall on January 4th, she was asked about that response, and she also mentioned that she had black friends growing up in Bamberg, which has also drawn fire. But here she is talking with NBC News on Friday, January 5th, where she clears up a lot of that. You've been asked about your comments on, on slavery. We don't need to rehash that. But there were some critics uh, that, that criticized your comments last night about having black friends as sort of a, using a, a trope. What do you say to people who say that you've really had challenges when it comes to talking about race and are worried about what that would mean for the general election. We were the only Indian family in our small southern town. I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. Anybody can look at my record and see when Walter Scott was shot down by a dirty cop how I made sure that the Walter Scott family didn't suffer because we put the first body camera bill in the country in place. Anybody can look at the fact that when we had nine amazing souls die in Mother Emanuel Church, I did something that no Republican or Democrat ever wanted to touch, which was call for the Confederate flag to come down because it would take two thirds of the House and Senate and was an impossible feat. I don't know what you're implying with that, but what I will tell you is 
Saying that I had black friends is a source of pride. Saying that I had white friends is a source of pride. If you want to know what it was like growing up, I was disqualified from a beauty pageant because I wasn't white or black, because they didn't know where to put me. So look, I know the hardships, the pain that come with racism. It's the reason that I fight bullies every day when it comes to racism, anti-Semitism, or hate, and I always will. If I didn't mention slavery on that day, it's because that's an automatic. There's always been, the Civil War's always been known about slavery. I misread it and thought he was looking for a bigger answer going forward. So critics can say whatever they want. I'm very comfortable in my skin. I'm very comfortable with what I believe in, and my job is not to convince them. Let's go to Haley's 2012 book, Can't Is Not an Option, in which she discusses how she essentially changed her husband's name. Here's the passage, quote, You may be wondering how Bill became South Carolina first gentleman Michael Haley. After we started dating, I looked at him one day and said, What's your name? You know it's Bill, he said, puzzled. You just don't look like a Bill. What's your whole name? William Michael. From that point on, I started calling him Michael and all my friends did the same. When he transferred to Clemson his sophomore year, my friends became his friends, and before we knew it, he was universally known as Michael. Everyone who knew him before I did knows him as Bill, and everyone who met him after I did knows him as Michael. He looks like a Michael. Quote, Andrew Prokop, a senior politics correspondent for Vox, dropped this 11-year-old bombshell on Twitter, and uh, Twitter did its thing. Twitter, do your thing. <laughs> now, Nikki Haley goes by her middle name, not her first name, Namorada. She's not the only 2024 spouse playing the name game here, though. Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis got her husband, Ron, to change the way he says his family name. Wow. DeSantis is how he would say it up until around his first gubernatorial election in 2018. She, on the other hand, decided that they should soften that first syllable. Now, in a 2018 Tampa Bay Times article, Slate reports that Casey was a clear suspect for the change, noting that in one TV spot in which the couple touted the governor's love for Donald Trump, she, and the ad's voiceover, pronounced it DeSantis. Meanwhile, in an ad that later ran in that cycle, DeSantis stuck with D. Now, this is probably the best time for me to say that I changed the pronunciation of my name when we started this podcast, from Javon to Gavin. I, it's, it's, it's society, guys. Let me know what you prefer. 803-563-7169. Let's get a quick vibe check. Yes. To do that, we're going to look at a poll. That's right. An Emerson College poll of 584 South Carolina Republican primary voters conducted between January 2nd and the 3rd found Trump with a 29-point lead over Haley, with 54% over Haley's 25%. DeSantis came in at 7%. Spencer Kimball, executive director of Emerson College Polling, said, quote, The current state of the race in South Carolina finds Trump as the frontrunner, with Haley as his main opponent. DeSantis has seen a decline, decline? Decline? Decline in support, and similar to our New Hampshire poll, has faded into the pack with single-digit support. A key question arising from this poll is whether Haley can mobilize ample support in her home state before the primary in case the race becomes more competitive after New Hampshire, quote. Back to the poll, when it came to issues, the poll found Republican voters more strongly view the economy as the top issue followed by immigration, 
Democrats are more splintered among the economy, health care, threats to democracy, and abortion access. The poll found that independent voters fall somewhat in the middle with the economy, threats to democracy, and immigration as their top three issues. Now, despite some sentiments in this poll and countless others, the economy remains in good shape. In fact, South Carolina just wrapped up its second biggest year for economic development with 81 projects, 14,120 announced jobs, and $9.2 billion in investment. Sounds like a pretty bad economy to me. Don't tell the economy that the economy's bad here. You know what I mean? Wink. In fact, the economy is even coming in for the soft landing that we've been talking about. That's right. The hottest economic phrase of the past few years has been soft landing. <sighs> Welcome to soft landing. A reference to the fine line the Federal Reserve Bank tried to walk while landing the economic plane after it raised interest rates to combat record high inflation without causing a hard landing, which would have been a recession, something everyone's also been predicting incorrectly. A hot labor market and economy has helped with all of this. And following the latest jobs report on Friday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen called a soft landing on CNN. There has been a lot of pessimism about the economy that's really proven um, unwarranted. A year ago, most forecasters believed we would fall into um, a recession. Obviously, that hasn't happened. We have a good, strong labor market. Uh, today's uh, news, uh, as, as you mentioned, showed that the unemployment rate remains low and uh, we added 216,000 jobs. Now, the pace of job uh, creation over the last three months averages 165. That's down from uh, a year uh, ago when the economy was still recovering from the pandemic. But it's something that's expected and desirable, uh, consistent with an economy uh, that is now recovered and is transitioned to stable and steady growth. So um, the labor market continues to fire on all cylinders. Other reports this week, a low level of initial claims for unemployment insurance, uh, job openings remain at healthy levels. Um, we, and, and importantly, inflation has come way down. Um, over the last six months, uh, the measure that the Fed watches most has been running right at their target of 2%. And Americans are beginning to feel that. And some surveys are suggesting that they're becoming more optimistic, which um, is something that's really good to see because price increases have slowed substantially. Some important prices have fallen noticeably. The majority of gas stations uh, around the country, um, a gallon of gas is now selling for under $3 a barrel. Uh, used car prices have come down. You know, there's more work to do on the inflation front. Some important prices, food prices and um, apartment rentals remain high, but we're really making progress. Now, if you're not happy with your job in our state, well, there are 165,000 job openings here. Again, don't tell the economy about the economy. Wink, wink. And don't have the skills to get one of those jobs? Well, technical colleges across our state offer training and certificates for in-demand jobs. So be the change you want to see in the economy. And real quick, some troublesome stats for you on the way out. 
According to the Center for Educator Recruitment, Retention, and Advancement's latest report, there were 1,613 unfilled K-12 educator jobs at the start of this year's school year. That's a 9% increase from last year and more than double from three years ago. 37% of the 7,300 teachers who left the profession had five or less years of experience. Others transferred schools and 15% retired. The state budget did boost teacher pay by $2,500 and included hundreds of millions of dollars for additional per-pupil funding. There's also money to boost school safety, funding SROs for every school, and a 20% salary increase for bus drivers. That was also in the current fiscal year budget. The governor released his budget priorities Friday, and House lawmakers will soon be crafting their version of the state budget. That's right, folks. The legislative session is here. It's happening. You just have to let it happen to you. I'm sorry. I have no control. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. Welcome, AT Shire, podcast producer. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. 2024, welcome. Oh, 2024. May the 2024th be with you. Oh, every single day of the year. <laughs> Is it a leap year? Uh, it might be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't quite care. <laughs> I don't quite care. I I'll an, still be doing this it podcast. Is is it? Disgusting. Wait, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This I is good. This is a good start I feel to like the year. Entire pod. This is an entire podcast for some people. Well, we spent the whole time not looking at Google. But hey, pull just, that up for me, please. Can you pull that up about for me, weather. Please? Why does February have 29 days in 2024? Interesting. It's called a leap year, folks. Our Gavin's going to read a Wikipedia <laughs> to you. Our planet's orbit remains in sync with the four seasons. Oh, thank God. Whereas my body is constantly in sync. There's no need for a leap day. Yeah, Gavin you know is that. always dialed in. Anyway, Gavin, speaking of dialing mm, in, we, on, did get, my feet. we did get a call. Gavin had sod put in the studio <laughs> so he can constantly be grounding. Um, we did get a call. It's from a friend. Are you ready, Gavin? First call of the year. Let me ask the grass yes yes okay hey guys it's teacher roman happy holidays merry christmas happy new year i uh have some hot takes and uh the first thing i want to say is that thank you again for doing what you guys do it is amazing it is so important and we're so lucky to have you guys having this project um it really is it's really beneficial for the rest of us um AT, you're so good at giving gifts. I remember you gave a gift at the end of last year. And I wanted to give a gift to you guys as well. So even though I don't live in South Carolina, I signed up for the ETV endowment to do like a subscription, you know, a couple of five bucks or whatever a month. But I did it in honor of South Carolina Lead um, because I think you guys are just so, um, like I said, important. Okay, so a couple of things in my second minute here. Um, Meshuggah. I had no idea what Meshuggah was. I went to Spotify. I played the first song. It was Bleed. And I'm honestly, um, I can see, I can see an appeal in the athleticism of the, of the, of the music. Um, the drummer, for instance, and, uh, the way that they sing. The lyrics, uh, very deep, obviously. Um, I wonder what the experience is like at the actual concert and is it, um, what that's like for you, AT, is it spiritual? Um, and so the baby advice here in the final 30, um, 
Rule number one, respond to everything with love. Rule number two, hold her like a baby and talk to her like an adult for her whole life. And when she's older, remind her that adults tell themselves what to do. Also, Bluey is great. And if you could just try to be like Bandit as much as possible, be off to a great start. Love you guys. Thank you. Happy New Year. Roman, a wonderful voice to start off our new year, new leap year. And uh, AT is very good at giving gifts. I, I'm breaking in the air fryer as we speak. He's we can using talk it. about that. He's using I know. I, I thought it was going to be months, but it, I just got moved. I was shocked. He the holiday me. spirit yeah. moved me. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But Roman, thank you so much on behalf of the ETV Endowment. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, period. Uh, I ripped my membership, too. I got my sticker for the back Gavin of the Gavin is, is so into the stickers, yeah. I, you know, I hate to tell everyone this, but I didn't get one last year. Oh, my so God. That's why one. you had to cover, you up, cover the up the other one. Yeah, had to cover up the year. And that was some beautiful advice for AT, our new pop-off. Oh, yes. I'm going to be a father, and that's going to be great. Um, uh, Roman, Roman, thank you for calling. Thank you for the advice. Seeing Meshuggah is the best. Bleed is a little too much of, of a – it's more of a rhythmic exercise than it is a song. But the concert was great. It, uh, the tempos and time signatures bounce around, and it's great. Uh, one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Uh, that's great advice. I will remember to hold my daughter like an adult and speak to her like a baby. I, I mean, think that's what you said. You pretty much, <laughs> you do that for me. Yeah, that's how Ga- that's how I get the, Gavin up for every episode. It's the entire production process right there. Anyway, Gavin, speaking of that air fryer, Ooh. you are breaking this in. Yes. You are you are cooking. I am. I'm. Fr- I'm air frying. Yes, thank you. Yes, you you have a little tiny convection oven, yeah. which people consider frying now for some reason. <laughs> it's a selling point. It's all about marketing. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I love it. It's that ninja air fryer that you got me. Ninja. Um, I've been mashing a bunch of chicken thighs in there, bone in, skin on. That's the way to and, do it. Oh, the, it comes out of the crispy little skin and can eat it and not feel guilty like you're eating fried chicken, you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't you throw out the skin? I did, but then the other day I did it again. What like, a freak. Let me just try this a little bit. It's so good. So I did it, and I was like, oh, I can do this guilt-free a little bit, but it's just fat, so it's probably not the best thing. But still, it's delicious. Not, there's collagen in it. It's good for your oh, skin. I, so I lay it on my skin. Yes. So I've been air frying my face. Yes. Uh, but no, it's been great. I've been, then I've been uh, eating it, so I, I did, it does kind of make the house smell like chicken a lot, though. That's not bad. I don't think that's bad. Yeah, it just makes me feel like I've been working as a short or a cook somewhere, which I I guess I have been (laughs) in my home. That's the one thing about, like, open concept houses and stuff. Like, when you have one and your kitchen is open to the rest of your house, the rest of your house smells like cooking at all Mm -hmm. times, you know? Everything. My coat smells like what I cooked. In this house, house, our kitchen is open. Hey, you know what? Bless this mess. You know what I mean? Hashtag bless this mess. God bless this mess. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying it. I'm loving it. I have no counter space for it, but, you know, where there's a will. You know, mm-hmm. then I have my, my Ninja blender and then I got my Instapot. You like, living that, a Ninja my, lifestyle. I'm, I'm living a modern kitchen appliance lifestyle. <laughs> uh, so it's been wonderful. Yeah, it's a great start to the new year. So healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I immediately feel healthier. And so you told me that you made a chili with this. Yeah, I just uh, shredded the chicken, then I put it into my Instapot, mm-hmm. another favorite thing. Another countertop Which is eater. the only issue that I have with the air fryers. That I love using the chicken thighs in the Instapot because then I get a good broth out of it afterwards. I save the broth for the week. I got a little soup here and there. Uh, but then I made a, I made a chili because it's chili season. I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with chilies. They're so easy for meal prep. And it's a slop. It's you're a slop. Big, you're a big a, slop guy. A, a, a dryer stew, if you will. <laughs> you're a big slop guy. Gavin's got a thousand-year stew going on, always boiling. Oh, there's always a mother in there. 
Yes. Which reminds me, I got to get home. Um, yeah, so I added, I had to go to the store to get some other ingredients. And while you, my just, stew, my, you just my, my freewheeled chili, in there. While my stew Freestyle. was becoming a chili. Yeah. And uh, I came across a can of okra. Disgusting. My, my, one of my favorite veggies of the South. And I it was already sliced up, and I was terrible. like, oh, what a great idea. Let's throw it in there. Let's chalk this thing up with some more crap. And it's good because... You know, okra, it still maintains its little crunch, but it's still that soft crunch. Uh, when, when it's I, a safe space. When I first moved to the South and I looked at, uh, like, basic, uh, Lizard's Thicket's menu, right? Mm. I didn't eat any of that stuff. Now. And slowly I've come to love almost all of it. Mm. You know, collard greens are one of my most favorite things yes. to eat. Okra is disgusting. Mm. Okra is foul. It is a snot pod, <laughs> and it is definitely a food of like desperation. Things like that. It's a delicious yeah. little thing. It's not good. And then you get I a pickle. Like and you them. put in your Bloody Mary. Oh, uh, it's always you can fine. Live off of that. That's it's, a whole meal right there. It's fine until the snot. Okay, <laughs> and the snot. But if you cook it right, you get rid of the There's still snot. snot. <laughs> no, you don't get rid of it. It's always there, uh, and it's a deal breaker I, for me. Oh, when did you not like weird foods? You I can like classify this as a weird food. Um, I, 2024, I'm out on snot eating, okay? Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm hard out, okay? Oh, fine, for fine. That, for that, I'm for out. That, I'm for that, <laughs> I'm out, okay? Anyway. I love it. Um, what a good 2024 oh, first. and you know, I was What just, did we learn today? We learned oh, what a leap year was, oh, and we learned to hold adults like babies and babies like adults. We love you all. Please call in. Tell me if I got any of that wrong. We love you. And Gavin, say the outro. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the pod, y'all. You can show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a voicemail like Teacher Roman at 803-563-7169. You can always stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Y'all already know. Y'all already know by now. (laughs) (laughs) He's <laughs> saying that one. <laughs> y'all, y'all already, already know, know by, by now. now. <laughs> wow.